Hey everybody, welcome back to Movie Hell. This time we are going to be discussing the second half of the first season of Loki. I'm Ryan, of course, I'm joined by my freshly tanned and back from vacation co-host, Joe. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we're just going to get into this. It's been a long process to watch these episodes, to go back to watching them week by week instead of binging it all at once, which is not what I did. I watched it when they became available, so... You know, they're a little bit spaced out. I've had a little bit more time to digest them. But I'm interested to hear what you think of how they, you know, did they stick the landing, I guess. You know, I did they stick the landing? That's a fair question to ask. I'm not sure I'm giving them a 10 out of 10 for this. Now, I had something I told you that I can go ahead and say here. My thought was going into the last episode that the whatever entity they're going to encounter, uh, they find out that the timekeepers themselves, spoilers ahead for all of this, I'm sure. It's just the way it's going to be with us talking about this. But they find out the timekeepers as they know them, the the three beings who are keeping the time, they're not real at all. They're just a ploy. Yeah, it's a Wizard of Oz situation. Absolutely. And when they're set up to go find out who is actually behind everything? Who's the man behind the curtain? I had a thought of, oh, is this just going to be another variant Loki? Like the very first of the Lokis, that kind of thing that they would pull out. They didn't do that. After seeing the last episode yesterday, I'm curious. I can't really say curious, but I wonder if they should have. Hmm. Because the character they used just for what I didn't like. I didn't like him. When I first saw him, I thought it was Mordo from the Doctor Strange movies. When I first saw that the actor resembles him a little bit, but then obviously as soon as he started talking, I actually saw him. Oh, it's not him. So yeah, but, I gotcha. And it's one of those things where you haven't seen that guy in so many years. He could look a little different. You're yeah. I didn't think of him, but I see where you got that. Yeah. It was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, is that Mordo? But then as he opened his mouth. I'm like, Nope, it's not him. And the way that guy acted, his whole, the character, that character that they have, who, are we assuming that's Kang? It's totally Kang, yeah. Okay. Because he states he's been called a conqueror, he's from the 31st century, so it's definitely Kang. Okay, so I thought that as well, even though they didn't say Kang, but I, I also thought that. Didn't like him. Now, just because I didn't like this version of him, doesn't mean I won't like whoever is brought about because of what happened in the show. Like the Conqueror Kang that we know from the comics or the cartoons. And I've never read any comics with him, but I did see him in some of the Marvel cartoons that have been out. And he was kind of a hardcore guy, like very down to business. Not, not a, uh, not really a talker. He's not Loki. He's not going to talk your ear off. He's, he's just going to get down to business and do whatever his master plan is. Mm -hmm. So I'll be interested, I guess, to see where it goes. I did like the introduction of the other Lokis. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Was fun thing to add into this show. And I did enjoy it. Yeah, I like the old school Loki with the original like first appearance suit. Right, with the super big horns. Yeah, I like that, that a lot. I... I yeah, and I think it's been pointed out probably by YouTube channels and stuff that they have this thing that they're doing where they have Vision dressed up for Halloween in the old 
comic book costume, yeah. Scarlet Witch, same thing, Quicksilver. You know, now you've got uh, Loki as well. I really like all the Crocodoki memes. <laughs> I really <laughs> I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, I would watch a show that's just about that world, like the world that people get. Um, what's the word pruned, pruned to? Yeah, pruned into. That's just full of Lokis. I also like. I, I would have liked to see how Mobius survives, but it's. I guess it's one of those things where he's a resourceful agent. You're supposed to, you know, just assume that he survived in a similar way to Loki that he was quick on his feet and yeah, uh, you know, thought quickly and just kind of figured out what to do or whatever. We also don't know how old Mobius is, you know, when they're in the TVA that there's like no real aging or anything like that. So, right. There's but no way didn't. to really know like how much experience he has with all this sort of stuff. I would, I would say they didn't really portray him as that kind of character. Based on the things you saw him do in the show, he didn't seem like he he kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, and he had ideas of these Lokis and using Tom Hiddleston's Loki to try and you know solve this mystery of this other Loki they're trying to catch. But he didn't seem like a super resourceful or he he was no Bear Grylls of the, of agents. <laughs> no, yeah, he, I. They kind of tried to make him into kind of a more, I guess, physical character. I really liked his confrontation with the judge. Is that what she's supposed to be? Yes. The one who was like his boss who hits him with the melt stick. Yeah. And uh, she's like, so what are you going to do? Prune me? And he's like, well, you know, not really. Like, I want to talk or whatever. And then she's like, even with that, you, you pose no threat to me. And he's like, well. I love that line. The way he the way he took the thing is like, well, let's see about that. And he like goes to stick her with it and she just grabs it and kicks him. Yeah. And he's just like, that was really anticlimactic. I just really, I didn't need them to fight and I didn't need that to happen for her to just knock him on his ass and be like, yep. See, I'm super badass. That, that brings us back to some of the things that we've talked about. Her character so far is one of those female characters. From well, what it, I, just based on what I've seen so far, and I really did hope when she steps through the gateway and she's like, I'm going to find some answers. I'm going to do. She said uh, she's in search of free will. In search of free will. Yes. That something was going to come about because of that. But mm-hmm. I felt like in the show, she was one of those characters who just, well, I'm great at everything. And I can beat you and I can do this and everything I do is great. And that I didn't 100% feel that way until she did that to him. Well, I think she's supposed to be Kang's love interest. Okay. I, I I don't remember for certain, but I think whatever his love. It, there were I've read stuff that was saying that his love interest in the comics has the same name as her. So hmm. you think it's going to end up being the same character. So like at the end yeah. of it, we have this hint that like Kang said, he's just going to come back. There are going to be a bunch of versions of him, you know, without one of him there to kind of control everything. And it appears that that's what happens because there's now instead of the timekeepers, there's one statue of him in the TVA. Yeah, I think it's going to be that she did something similar, like she went back or did something to so to to make herself more important in the sort of present timeline as much as that applies in the show. Okay. so I think it's setting her up to be a bigger villain. The only reason I didn't like it was it was just it was one of those like subvert your expectations moments where it's like, you think you're going to get something cool and it's not mm. like Arya killing the night King huh. in game of Thrones. It's like, 
you think finally John's going to have the final showdown and Arya just jumps out and sticks him. Right. It's like, what? What was that? Like, you think you're going to finally have this really impactful confrontation between these two people who clearly seem to be friends and have been friends for a long time and trust each other for the most part. You know, and he's like, what the fuck? You hit me with the melt stick. And then she just knocks him on his butt and walks out. It's like, what? What is that? It just it feels like one of those things where they don't don't have anything interesting for them to say to each other. Couldn't think of anything better to do with it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So there was some background buildup to that relationship there with those two. And he's all like, well, you betrayed me. It's like, no, you betrayed me. Just that back and forth. It wasn't it wasn't anything that we've seen before, but it would be nice if, you know, at least one of the parties could try and see something from the other one's point of view. And I feel like it was like almost like a married couple. Mm-hmm. They're not really and not a good married couple. Like a married couple who they're not listening to what the other one's saying. They're just waiting for their turn to talk. So it was, yeah, with how that ended up finishing and playing out, there was nothing satisfying about it. It was left completely unresolved. And I'm I'm curious is to see, they're going to have to address it again. Yeah, it's definitely going to have to happen again. There's going to be some kind of reckoning between the two. I mean, you'd think so, but I almost wonder we'll if they're going to they have choose to do. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to have Owen Wilson be in one of the movies. He's kind of a big actor to be oh, in yeah. the show. He's absolutely so, big enough. He was. It was surprising to see that you know that level of an actor was pulled into one of these shows without previously having been in the movies. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a little weird still to see Loki in one of these Tom Hiddleston in a in a show, not in a movie. But I, so for the most part, I thought they did pretty well. The only thing I don't like is this overarching thing of it kind of cheapens everything else that's happened in the Marvel movie so far by saying it was all predestined and all this. Now, I don't know if it's just maybe what they intend to be saying is everything that happened is what is like what happened it just it just happened but what kang does is make sure it happens the way it originally happened in his timeline you know what i mean yeah avoiding anything changing from that one timeline to ensure that there are no branching timelines and no multiverse that can be in conflict with each other you know no different versions of heroes different versions of villains you know maybe it's just because that would at least still give some agency to the characters that we've been following means that their decisions have weight, you know, that the conflicts and all that between the different characters, you know, between black Panther and Bucky and between Tony and cap that those weren't just like predestined things that there was actually some kind of conflict there that had to get resolved at some point, And it took people making decisions and working and whatever to make that happen. It just feels cheap to be like, well, this is what's supposed to happen. I did kind of like the point where Kang is like, oh, we just passed the threshold. I knew everything up until eight seconds ago. Yeah. Until six seconds, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever it is. Yeah, as towards the end of him, I didn't dislike him as much as I originally did just 
watching him talk about things and everything that was going on. One thing that they have left, I assume, purposefully vague is how, and I assume it's because he's from the 31st century and it's so much more advanced, but how they just travel back and forth in time like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And how just doing that, like for the first number of episodes, when they're going back and they're pruning the time, pruning people and resetting the timeline, being able to go back to whatever time frame it is and, you know, stop the the problem variant, you could say, and getting them out of the equation that they don't ever really talk about orcs. Nobody asks that question. Loki's not like, well, how the hell do you time travel? Like nobody's concerned about that at all. And they, they yeah. just, they can just do it, I guess. And it's, it, it was, it was kind of a big deal in uh Endgame, being able to time travel. That was with, uh, uh, who is it? The Dr. Strange is the one who brings Dr. Strange in the ancient one, the ancient one. Yeah. And she's talking to Bruce Banner about it and how, it's kind of a big deal. And she's, you know, referring to these timelines and the branching off. And if this happens and this changes us and, but all of it really kind of circles back to me agreeing with you about cheapening everything else, because it kind of feels like this show did that. And I don't think that was their intention, but no, I think they intended to lend scope to the universe to show like, you know, Hey, Thanos was this big thing. Here was this huge threat there's something bigger out there, but they did it in that way that we always complain about, which is don't elevate one thing by putting another thing down. Don't say, you know, Thanos and the infinity stones weren't the end all be all of threats. And, you know, here we're using those as paperweights, you know, it, it cheapens it that way. Like it's, it it just does that. It does that. They don't, they don't have a, I mean, they just don't have a great way of showing why this other thing is such a big threat or, or what else is happening. That's so much larger without saying like that. The stuff that came before was insignificant. Right. When we've mentioned this before with the movies that are coming out, like I believe Mm. this whole thing is leading into multiverse of madness. Like I originally thought, and based on the, what I researched online had found out Dr. Strange having supposed to have been in the WandaVision, all magic related, that that would have made sense. Him as kind of a mentor to her, the way the ancient one was to him. Mm -hmm. And they chose not to do that, whatever that was their decision. But I think at least WandaVision in this, not so much Falcon and Winter Soldier, because that doesn't deal in the same world of magic per se, but these two, the outlying shows, they they do. They're dealing with that. They're absolutely confronting it 100%. So you've got WandaVision dealing with magic, and then you've got Loki dealing with the multiverse, heavily dealing with the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be, okay, it doesn't have to be, but it's the only thing that makes sense to me that it's going to tie into that, and that that's where we're going to go from here. But mm-hmm. do we have to look at Kang as a much bigger threat than Thanos? Or do we just, in real in reality, is he just a different threat? Like, we are getting ready to have the Eternals. And the Eternals, who have been around this whole time, we've talked about it in other podcasts, that they didn't think Loki coming the first time, trying to take over New York, 
or Ultron dropping, you know, a city on the planet to have a cataclysmic planet ending event or Thanos coming with all of the Infinity Stones and wiping out half of the universe with a snap of his fingers. None of those were big enough events to call in these characters called the Eternals. So what's going to be their threat? Will that and Marvel, we have to think about things like this because Marvel has done that. They have built our expectations up of tying everything together. Now, from what I have heard, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch it, but the Black Widow movie, that's its own standalone thing. It happened in between some of the other time frames of things that happened in uh, the life of Natasha Romanov. So that's its own standalone thing that isn't really tying into anything going forward. But the rest of this, you have to assume that they're trying to tie some of this into the rest of it because that's just what they've done so far. Now, the I think the question becomes, if they're not doing that, can Marvel survive without doing it? Because of how successful it was all the way from original Iron Man or even technically Hulk before it through Endgame. I honestly don't know for sure. That's a really good question. I don't know. I I did see the Black Widow movie and it was uh is I is I yeah. I mean it, it's one of those things where there there were some problems with it some, you know, sort of stuff that you would see on like um the pitch meeting videos on YouTube. Yeah. Where it's like, well, why would this happen? Why would that happen? Like why would we root for this character? Marvel has this thing lately of inadvertently, I can only assume making the heroes pretty villainous. <laughs> There's just a couple little things in there that are, you know, and some of it's a little just self-aware and kind of making jokes about itself. And, you know, some of the stuff that the movies have done in the past, which is funny, but yeah, ultimately none of it's very impactful because like you're saying, it slots in between two movies. It's not tying into something else and creating something else. It does potentially introduce another character that I'm assuming we're going to see later on. And it kind of leaves the door open for some other things, but you know, just it's, it's whatever. It's not a huge thing like this, like Loki, where it's like, okay, this is a whole new concept of this multiverse here. So what are we going to do? And I really wonder now that you mentioned it, the ancient one understanding timelines and branching and all that stuff. Are there, is there more than just the TVA monitoring this stuff? I mean, are the, is the order that, Dr. Strange is part of, are they monitoring this stuff too? Are they aware of each other? It, it feels like it's going to be really hard to tie it together. And like with the Eternals, it's going to be really hard to justify why they stood by and allowed these things to happen. Right. You know, like it would be really interesting to see them try to introduce the X-Men, but they would have to all be created from scratch now. Like they would have to have their origin story now because you couldn't have an excuse of like, well, they've been in hiding all this time. Because having yeah, these characters and heroes in hiding while all this stuff is happening is totally against everything that they're about. Right? There's no way Xavier's School for the Gifted could have been going on through all of these other events without the X-Men coming out and being a part of it. Yeah. Or any of the other ones that they haven't been able to get in and get right, like the Fantastic Four. Like mm. There's some major Marvel properties that have not even been introduced into the MCU. Yeah, and I think we we texted about it a little bit that Kang was a Fantastic Four. In my mind, he's a Fantastic Four villain. 
So I would really like to see if this is going to lead into something involving them. Because there are certain storylines where those are the ones, at, you know, in conflict for the most part. But I don't know. I'm just I'm so interested to see what they're going to do with it, because it's one of these things where they've they've started to change things from the comics. You know, the relationships between characters, mm-hmm. the, you know, who created who or caused who to come into something, you know, like Tony and uh, Banner creating Ultron instead of Hank Pym, like in the comics. Yeah. You know, not a huge difference. They made it happen in a way that made sense. So I think that's probably something we're going to see is, you know, the origins of some of these characters or the inciting events for certain things kind of changing to fit the corner they're writing themselves into. It does kind of feel like that, you know, putting it that way, the corner they're writing themselves into like, and maybe it's just because I'm, you know, more of a comic book kind of nerd than not, but I am just really sick of origin stories. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we have coming up. Shang-Chi was going to be an origin story. The Eternals are going to be some version of their origin story. And I understand it. Like, I don't know anything about any of those that I just met. I don't know anything about them, but I don't, I don't need to see an origin story again for another fantastic four team or for the X-Men. Like, I don't need any of that, but just because I don't need it, that doesn't mean that a majority of the movie going public doesn't. And Mm -hmm. is that going to be good for them? Bad for them? Like, I want to be excited for some of the stuff coming up and I'm just not like what, we have Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that's going to come out. Like, but I mean, I know Thor's going to be in it. And then you've got the next Thor movie where Jane Austen is going to take over as the new Thor because that's a thing that happened in the comic books. And they're making these decisions that I don't know if they're if they're going to go the way that they want them to go. Like, I don't I just want to see good movies and good stories and good characters. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you want to change. You want to change this into something else and do that. And I understand why that bothers people and that that becomes the whole thing. I honestly don't care if it's done well. I don't know. I'm skeptical as to whether or not they're going to be able to pull it off in a way that makes a character feel meaningful. Like Jane Austen. We know her from the first two Thor movies. And I think some references from other movies that, you know, Thor was in, but I've never seen her character as something that can be that strong, but maybe she is how they choose to do that, how they choose to write it, how she portrays it. I mean, I think Natalie Portman is a pretty good actress. I've liked her since the professional, which was ridiculously good, but in order to make that happen and make it believable and make it something that everybody's going to be like, wow, look at, look at this person really taking over the reins of this. I'm not even sure I liked everything in the way they did it with uh, Falcon America, that that was its own. Like, I like him. I like Falcon. I think he's a good character. Not sure. I like how they pass that torch through the way that entire show went through its whole arc, but doing that and doing that in the right way to make us care about these characters and really want to, or be able to appreciate them the way they, we can appreciate Tony Stark at the end of Endgame. I am Iron Man and he sacrifices himself. 
Well, they like, try to make it a lot more complicated than just handing off a mantle. You know, with with they tried to tie so much political stuff into Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, with, with saying, you know, there's there's a lot of uh what do you say? There's a lot of history with that shield or something like that. Yeah. It's like, mm, no, there's not. I mean, there's just not. The shield was created during World War Two. Captain America fought with it during World War Two against Nazis. Then he was frozen in ice for like sixty Seven years. years. Then he popped out of the ice and immediately was saving New York from Loki. Like, that's not a complicated history. If you're saying America as like a symbol of freedom or whatever it wants to be is complicated. Sure. The shield itself as Captain America symbol is not complicated. It was complicated after Walker beheaded somebody with it. Maybe fair, but otherwise not really. You know, there I was no it that way, but that's a good point. There was no like, um, I don't know. There's nothing. It's like, well, we can't have a black Captain America. There was nothing like that before, you know, Cap, old Cap showed up and he was like, this is yours now. I'm passing this on to you. Like Bucky has his own stuff to deal with. You know, Bucky in the comics has taken over the mantle before, I believe. But it's like, no, this is this is your turn now. Like, you've been the one who's been by my side all this time. I trust you. I can rely on you. And he's like, you know, thanks. I won't let you down. And then immediately chucks it into a museum. And then the government's like, OK, well, we need a symbol like Captain America out there. So we're going to get our own guy. And he's going to have all these issues because he is having trouble living up to this. Like he encounters the uh, Dora Milaje or whatever mm-hmm. their name is. Yep. And he's like, oh, my God, they're not even super soldiers and they're better than me. You know, so he realizes he needs some kind of edge if he can do what he's supposed to do. And it just leads down this road that kind of makes it a little bit more complicated. But to insert all this political stuff into it, I don't like I don't like the way that they're handling a lot of that. And I think the female Thor could be kind of like an episode of Smallville. Smallville only had a couple kinds of episodes. There was there's actually like a monster or a threat. Okay. Lex is doing something secret. Superman's gone bad. Superman has lost his powers or somebody else has Superman's powers. Those were it. There were like eight seasons. Those that's all that would happen. One of those. And there were like 800 episodes per season. So you saw lots of them that were the same. (laughs) And there were tons of episodes where there'd be somebody else who gets his powers, you know? So, you know, they could do something like that. It's like, for whatever reason, Thor is deemed not worthy of his powers anymore. So Jane gets him. And then it's this thing of like learning to work together, him appreciate the things she brings to the table, you know, whatever, something like that, you know, learning experience. But I, I really hope they don't make it some overarching political thing. That's going to kind of alienate people because it's going to feel very shoehorned in and very unnatural. Like, that's that was one of the greatest moments in Endgame, and you saw just a twinkle, just a smidgen of it in Age of Ultron, with nobody can lift Thor's hammer because nobody is worthy, except Captain America. And out of all of the Avengers, who else could possibly be more worthy than Captain America, mm-hmm. the one who always, no matter what, chooses to follow his conscience in doing what's right. And for the most part, his conscience is pretty right on. Yeah. And it's because of, not because, yeah, America. It's because of who Steve Rogers is as a person. Right. And him picking up Thor's hammer 
in Endgame. It was such a monumental moment. Everybody freaked out about it, but it was earned. Mm-hmm. So in order to just have the next Thor movie or in Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know when they're going to do it, how they're going to make it happen. To have a transition from how is Thor going to not be worthy and Jane Austen is going to be worthy, what has she done to be worthy except she banged Thor? <laughs> I don't I don't uh, uh, think that makes you worthy. Pretty well, sure remember, Steve Rogers didn't do that. Remember the Dean Kane Superman series? I do. There was an episode where he's trying to save a plane and the plane gets struck by lightning and somehow it transfers his powers into this little kid. And it's this thing of like dealing with this kid who is suddenly super powered, trying to make sure he doesn't accidentally hurt anybody while they try to figure out like, is this permanent? Will it wear off? And it could be a similar thing here. It could be like, I mean, I'm saying it would make sense if it was like you're no longer worthy and you need to like swap places to understand each other's perspectives. I think that's what they're going to do. That makes sense. But it could just honestly be like a, you know, this weird thing of like, hey, you two press this button at the same time and see what happens. And they're like, all right, whatever. And they just, you know, something happens that by <laughs> chance makes it switch like that. Okay. I mean, I, I honestly think that would make more sense to me than all of a sudden this character who's been in a couple of this minor character who's been in a couple of movies who had some stuff happen to her and they had to deal with it. Like in Thor 2 with the ether, the whole, the Infinity Stone. She's had some things happen to her, but otherwise she's kind of a minor character. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, sh- she'll be worthy of the power of Thor? Uh, as I said, just the way it sounds in my head, I don't buy it. They would have to do it very well in yeah. order for me to be on board with that. Yeah, because they didn't set her up that way at all. We haven't even seen her in the movies in years. Mm-hmm. But, okay, we've gotten on a tangent here that isn't Loki. Getting back to Loki, we haven't really talked a whole lot about Sylvie in this episode. Mm. And the more I have watched her, I really did end up liking her. Um, I think she played a very good Loki. I enjoyed them both having to work together to try and charm uh, the big creature that you know was keeping them from getting to their end goal in the fifth episode but i'm not sure i mean hmm. i don't buy i like where how it how it ended with her yeah that yeah i don't buy how they flipped on each other or or rather how she flipped on him i like that he's kind of the redeemed character at this point yeah i don't like that (sighs) kang brings them there and he tells them which it's another thing i don't buy like oh I, i was behind the whole thing For some reason, it was good for me to manipulate this, to have you do these things and get around the TVA and get to me for whatever reason, because I think it's worth taking a risk to have you take over for me. That doesn't make any sense. It would make a lot more sense if he was like, "Okay, you're the ones who made it through all this. Like you understand what's going on enough. You can be the ones to run this, I guess that you're right. That would have made so much more sense than, hey, it's all scripted here. It's on all these pieces of paper. So. What, as soon as he did that, as soon as he hands those those pieces of paper, look at all this. I would look at what conversation we're supposed to have coming up from there and say, well, I'm not going to say this. And so now I'm going to say something else. Is that on a different piece of paper? How does that even work? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, none of it makes sense. And then the whole thing of them 
Sylvie and Loki bonding and learning to trust each other. They've given each other no reason to distrust the other until, I mean, I'm basically since they first met and fought and kind of were suspicious of each other. And then this guy's like, okay, so do you want to take over or do you just want to let things like just run wild? And then all of a sudden she's suspicious of him. You know, I thought they were going to do something weird with Loki, our Loki, but it's Sylvie that they kind of screwed up because there's no believable reason for her to do that to me. I mean, except for, I guess, the reason that they try and explain with is she can't trust. She can't trust and he can't be trusted. But they need to show us that they need to show us that they don't need to just have us have us be told that by Loki like that. That's my problem with it is. I like that they said like it was a cool line. And when you hear it, it's like, oh, that's that's kind of deep. And then it's like, no, wait, that's bullshit. Because, yeah, we, we've seen Loki do nothing but be trustworthy during this. Yeah. And we've seen Sylvie do nothing but trust Loki. Like basically since that first moment where they kind of had to fight together and she's like, do we trust each other? And they looked at it and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're good. And then they have the moment with the blanket and stuff like that. I mean, I just. I don't understand the having them flip like that. It would have made a lot more sense if the fight had come a couple just seconds later where Loki's like, wait, I don't think we should kill him. I believe him. Here's why. But the fight, her flipping kind of started before that. Like I get her lunging out to kill him because that's what she's been trying to do for who knows how long, maybe thousands of years, because we don't really know how long as guardians live. Yeah. And she's one that's been like traveling through time and stuff like that. So who knows? But she immediately jumps up and tries to kill him and then turns on Loki when he's like, wait a minute, we should talk about this. Yeah, I thought that was, I don't know. I didn't, I liked what they had Loki do, that he just was like, stop, put his, puts his sword down. He's just like, like, we can't, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go against everything we've been doing this whole time mm-hmm. to try and convince her. And, you know, and then they have the kiss, which is what, I'm, I'm sure some people who are watching it, they they just wait for that moment when you you know that those the two are going to get together. And then she's just like, see ya and pushes him through the door. I have a theory that in one timeline they do get together and they have a child. And, you know, if you're like inbred, you got problems. So if you're the same person, maybe oh that's God. how you end up with the smoke monster. The smoke monster <laughs> is the child of <laughs> Loki and Sylvie. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it, I don't know. It was it was an unsatisfying end to what I thought was the most intriguing beginnings of all of the Marvel series on Disney Plus so far. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to get at the end. Does, oh, how is he's how, in the TVA, yeah. but it's a different TVA, and he's just an agent. What's your name, agent? Is like, Mobius, Mobius doesn't. Yeah, is Mobius still out there? Are there different versions of him? Because we also see Mobius standing next to the... I don't remember her name. The one that's like a soldier. The one that Sylvie like unlocked her memories or whatever. Yeah, the captain of the guard or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're standing there and they do the same thing. Like for all time, always, whatever. And it's like they're going to be a thing. The judge is going to be a thing. Kang is a thing. But then you have Mobius who doesn't know what's going on. So I don't know... See, the rules don't make any sense. When you involve time travel, the rules don't make any sense anymore because you can just have a character who's been established to be doing something or stand for something just suddenly change because, oh, that never happened in this version of events or whatever. 
Yeah. It, and if it can be rewritten like that, why wasn't Loki rewritten? Yeah. How come he remembers and knows everything that happened is because he made it to the time's end, the end of the timeline. Like, uh, we don't know why well, <laughs> you can just do that. Why is it this way? We don't know. Why did this happen? We don't know. Yeah. I, uh, it's a Old, little frustrating when you, when you involve time travel and things, it has to be done really with a lot of thought behind it. Like you really have to try and figure out how it's going to work in a way to make sense. Otherwise it just doesn't. And I, I feel like that's unfortunately where we are with this one. Yeah. Yep. And I guess that's probably a logical place to end it. I, I like it overall from a style perspective and from kind of a messaging perspective that, you know, that there are sometimes differences you can't overcome or, you know, things that have to be dealt with more than just on face value, like the do we trust each other thing. Like maybe there has to be more rapport built between the two before they would have been able to successfully navigate that situation at the end. But I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they've written themselves into a corner and I really hope they can pull it off. I'm not, I'm not super confident that they can. Um, I'll still watch some stuff as it comes out, as it is made available for me to be able to see it. I'm not going to go rushing out to see a whole lot of things. I didn't rush out to go see Black Widow. I'll see it when I get a chance. These other movies that are coming out, I mean, I'll see them eventually, unless they come out and everybody is just raving over them, over them, like the unexpected success of the original Guardians of the Galaxy, that kind of thing. Otherwise, I don't know. I just don't know how much I care. I think your idea really made sense. They get through the fog monster and they get in there and he's like, ha well, it looks like you two are the ones who made it. You now understand what's all behind this. What's at stake. This is what's going on. That's why I want you two to take over. Not, mm-hmm. I know everything. You can't hit me. Haha, I'm not here. You can't get me. I just, how they had that character, how they played, he was portrayed. I didn't dig it. As I said, maybe I'll dig the next Kang, whatever the Conqueror version of Kang is that comes. Maybe I'll dig that more. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, and even what was the threshold? Why was there a threshold past which he didn't know what would happen? If they're at the end of time, how is there something beyond that that he doesn't understand? Or, yeah, it's like, how can you know everything that's going to happen and orchestrate the situation and have it go out of control? I I don't know. (laughs) And that's... I mean, it's not always a bad thing to have unanswered questions in your show, in your movie, whatever it is. That's not always a bad thing. This case, it just, the way it ended didn't feel satisfying. And at the end of a season, you want something to feel satisfying. And I don't know if any of it did. Not the confrontation between Mobius and the judge, Judge Rayner or whatever her name was. Yeah. The, the confrontation between Loki and Sylvie, the confrontation between both of them and Kang, like none of it felt satisfying. And that's not a good way to end your series. I would agree. It, it's, it's one of these things that I've started to notice with these movies is that with the earlier ones, it seemed like they had a really good idea of where they were going and what they were doing. You know, the original Iron Man with the twist of who the real villain is and stuff like that. It's like, it's clear that they had a roadmap for what they were going to do where now it seems like they're throwing stuff in for fan service. That doesn't really make any sense. Like did they call it the Avengers initiative before they said it in the first Avengers movie? 
I guess they must have, right? I think maybe they did like the end of Iron Man 2. Yeah. When Tony first is confronted by Nick. Yeah. They possibly did, but it's a a long time ago and a lot of movies far, far away. So eh, yeah, I don't specifically remember. They have these like references to it and it comes up, you know, in Avengers where Tony says we'll avenge it, you know, stuff like that. But to then have the scene at the end of Captain Marvel where he sees like the nickname or whatever for Carol Carol Danvers. Avenger Danvers. Yeah, it's like, I just don't buy that. That feels so weird to insert that in and have that be like an explanation for how you did this. Same way Solo kind of was weird because it's like, hey, here's how he got this and here's how he got that. Here's how he got his blaster. It's like, we don't need to know everything about them. Yep. It's like, oh, are you not going to tell us the origin story for the vest he was wearing and those boots? (laughs) Like, what? That's a very iconic look that he has. You have to know mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah, it's like we don't need you to throw this stuff in. Like the thing that still bothers me is Nick Fury losing his eye. Oh god, that was the, the cat. worst. Like I was oh. so happy not knowing how he did it cuz it made him more mysterious. He's like the master spy. Right? And like, yeah, there's probably some wild story behind there and we're never really going to know it. And then to find out that the cat scratched him is just so lame. It's such a letdown. I mean, I know it's a super powerful alien space cat creature, but it didn't do it in super powerful creature mode that eats everybody. He just cat scratched him. Yeah. It was so lame. And I mean, I've been around cats. In order for them to scratch you bad enough across your eye that your eye is jacked up forever, like, damn. That's, that's, that'd be pretty bad. And that, I don't know. It just wasn't, didn't buy it, didn't buy it. Yeah, and they just keep doing stuff like that. It seems like the things they're doing are kind of taking away from what they had before. I also don't like the way they handled Vision at all in anything, ever. Because Vision, (laughs) like the whole thing with Vision was it was a body for Ultron. Right. And it was this super powerful body that they weren't going to be able to stop. It was like indestructible. It was Superman, essentially. Even a similar color palette. But it's like can fly shoot lasers all this other stuff it's like we can't let ultron have this and then vision gets it and vision is useless vision constantly has to be taken out it's like captain marvel they made him too powerful so they have to have a reason for him not to be there you know somebody sneaks up behind him and stabs him with the staff thing in uh infinity war yeah like indestructible body but he can just be stabbed with this thing because it's it's the particular thing that they needed to have happen And then he has to be rescued by Cap, Falcon and Black Widow. So the like one of the most powerful, super powered characters rescued by two humans and one enhanced human. Right. Two. Technically him and Wanda. Two of (laughs) the most powerful. Yeah. She's ridiculously powerful. Yet these three people, two of which are just human beings, had to come and get him. Yeah. It. They have yeah, this the weird most, way of like nerfing their really powerful characters. Like the most powerful thing I think we see Vision do throughout any of the movie, anything that he does is in Civil War when he beams across the building and drops it on top of the plane when Cap and Bucky are mm-hmm. trying to run to the plane. Yeah. That's like the most powerful thing you see him do. And that's nothing for him. Yeah. <sighs> he oh, gets wow. He gets taken down for a minute by Hawkeye. Another another just guy. Not super long time, but Hawkeye takes him down. So they do. They absolutely t- 
took a character who's one of the most powerful and made him kind of worthless. Yeah. Thanos headbutts Captain Marvel and she's out of commission for like the rest of the movie until the funeral scene at the end. <laughs> it's just I don't know. Anyway, it's we need to stop rambling about this, but it's just one of those things where it's like I feel like they're losing their way because they they don't seem to have a good game plan of how these characters are going to interact and how their like power is going to be relative to each other, how they're going to complement each other and contrast with each other. And they don't seem to have a great roadmap as to how to give the characters compelling stories and keep them good. You know, like Wanda, all they needed to do is have Wanda trapped in that world by Agatha Harkness. Like, like, okay. So Agatha was there because she saw Wanda doing that stuff and wanted to know how, how was she so powerful? Right. It would have made a lot more sense and made Wanda still the hero, not the villain who enslaved this entire town. If Agatha had recognized that Wanda was too powerful and put her in that world to like trap her. And then the whole thing was the same thing. Wanda realizing something's going on and then like eventually breaking free of it and trapping Agatha there. That would have been basically the same thing, but Wanda's not the villain. And it would have, the song would have then actually made sense. It was Agatha all along because (sighs) the reality it wasn't at all. Yeah. Agatha was just hanging out watching. I mean, the only thing she did that was really villainous was kill that dog, right? Sparky or whatever. (laughs) Sparky. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, Marvel, we're going to have to see where you're going to go from here. Yeah, and maybe it's just one of those things where the the shows aren't that great. Because the movies, there have been some stinkers. You know, Thor 2, pretty bad. Even the original Thor was pretty boring. I like the original Thor. I like the original Thor, but compared to some of the others, eh. I think the reason they're going to keep doing origin stories is because they need to keep bringing new people in. Like new fans, that is to say. Because if you have a kid, like if I was today the age I was when these movies started, and I was like, oh, if I want to watch this, I need to watch 24 movies (laughs) going back to like fully be caught up on everything. But if they're constantly introducing new characters and storylines, you have these other threads that can bring you in and probably explain enough that you would know what's going on without having to see everything before. But then you can go back and start watching them if you want. Like the reason I'm never probably going to play Final Fantasy 47 or whatever is out now (laughs) is because I haven't played any of those since like 99. And I would have no idea what's going on. I don't remember any of the characters names. I don't remember anything about them hardly. Or like, uh, I think the Terminator kind of got that way where it's so, you know, knotted up and impenetrable. It's like, I have no clue what's going on. I don't know if these follow off the original ones. I don't know if they rebooted from them. Like, I, you know, I'm just not even going to bother. Right. Me when you when you have these series that go on for so long following the same character or the same set of events, it's pretty hard to get into as a new person. But then, you know, if you have new origin stories, new characters being introduced and old ones being removed every so often you know, makes it a little more accessible. So from that perspective, that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. I get that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go from here. I don't know how they're going to tie things in. As I said, I think multiverse of madness is the most logical way to tie stuff in. I don't know if the Eternals or Shang-Chi or any of that. I think there's another one I can't think of off the top of my head right now uh, that is coming for them. I don't know how any of it's going to tie in if they're going to keep trying to interweave these stories to 
turned into some big thing at the end of them, but we'll see. We'll see how Marvel does this. Uh, so far as it goes, uh, whether or not, I, I don't know. I think, I think Loki worked for the most part, but there, there's definitely some issues that I have with it. That's, I mean, that's as much as I want to put it. Is it a watch? Yeah, I think it's a watch. I think Tom Hiddleston is charismatic enough. He plays the character well. If you like that character, you should watch this for, if nothing else, him just being that character. Uh, I thought his counterpart, uh, female Loki, the Sylvie, she was good. I don't know if I like where everything ended up going. I'm semi-interested as to how they're going to resolve the way they ended this series. But if it didn't come back, I wouldn't be... If I heard, oh, it got canceled, they're not making a season two. Meh. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be all down in the mouth about it. Yeah, it's. I agree with pretty much everything he said. So I would just add, I, I am interested to see the next season because I think they're probably going to have some story where the first time Loki and Sylvie were together, I think this next time they're going to be at odds and coming back together, which is kind of weird, you know, because they took a set of characters that liked each other and trusted each other, made them not trust each other. And they're probably going to make them trust again. Same way they had a, you know, a set of movies that got Loki to a point where he was pretty much redeemed. And then they undid it so they could redeem him again in this, which feels weird. It still feels weird to be like, this is New York Loki. This is the Loki that just like used that little thing to cut a dude's eyeball out in the middle of a crowded ballroom or whatever. Like, and he's supposed to be like, oh man, I've been so wrong. You know, I need to learn to trust people. It's like, I feel like you need a little bit more time to come to that. But, you know, it's whatever, because they probably don't want to rehash everything and all the years that they've been trying to do this. And it's probably one of the only ways that they could figure out to bring Loki back for something anyway, was to have the test rack get dropped and he picks it up and gets out of there. It does make sense for that, but I think you're right. I think this Loki that we got in this show is really more reminiscent of the Loki in Infinity War mm-hmm. when he dies. It's really reminiscent of that. Yeah, totally. That after having kind of learned some lessons, gotten beaten a few times, understands that maybe I'm not really, I'm a little better than I thought I was. I'm not just this one evil villain all the time some lessons from when his mom died and coming together with his brother that that is what that's the Loki. I felt like we got in this show, not at all. The Loki who is in Avengers. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. I think they've got a plan. I just hope it works out the way they want it to. It'd be nice. So if uh, anybody out there wants to reach out and give us their opinion, you can rant as long as you want in an email addressed to moviehell at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at moviehell, and I am on Twitter as well at manpanda. Yeah, folks, uh, we always appreciate it. Once again, thank you for listening. Please reach out to Ryan. He is dying to hear from you. <laughs> Let us know what's going on. But otherwise, uh, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I've been Joe. I've, I've, I'm a variant of Ryan. I, oh, I made All that right. joke last time. You did. Maybe I'm the original. Ooh. Oh, you're the original. <laughs> I'm the variant. <laughs> One thing I'm sure of is uh, we're out. <laughs>